0: Hello and welcome to episode two of Say When.
1: Say When. Say When. Say When. We're going to talk about the ninth episode of the current series of Doctor Who. Um, It takes you away.
0: It takes you away. So in the 2018. I thought we'd leapt into the Woolly Rebellion. Sorry, what? The Woolly Rebellion. In 193 years, there's a total renegotiation of the sheep-human relationship.
1: Utter bloodbath. I've always fancied the idea of Norway. What bit's this? I don't know. I thought it was a very abstract, very ultimately very beautiful meditation on loss and severance in multiple universes.
0: I think you're definitely right about loss because we were talking about loss in the last episode and they're really, I mean, I know that people die in the show a lot, almost like um, erroneously at random points people do die in in the show almost to to suggest, just to convey threat. Um, Mm. But the the losses have been quite deep.
1: How does it compare to previous things that the scriptwriters? Oh yes,
0: so yeah, I was thrilled to fight, but can by accident, researching the writer, I was just, I just heard, I hadn't heard the name of that writer before, um, Ed Hines, 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 sorry, one of them, and I, and I looked him up, and then I suddenly, re- and then I heard that he'd written a short horror radio play, and I knew immediately that this was the author of a short radio play I'd heard about five years ago, and misremembered the author's name, and could never find it again, and it was the most Disturbing, beautiful, strange thing that I'd ever heard, um, just on like radio for a night, um, and I was so. Uh, and then when I heard he was writing this, I thought, Oh my god, it's it's therefore going to be brilliant. I do think you could tell that he's mostly a playwright and mostly writes for radio more than a television writer. It showed in the the televisionness, <laughs> in the lack of, in the la- in the, almost like in the the fact that it actually. You know going into the anti-zone and those bits that are meant to be very visual and sort of filmic they weren't enjoyable for, for the reasons of just looking brilliant they had a mm. different pull to them
1: just on the metaphysics and physics of it then so we have norway we have a house but the house has a mirror which is actually a portal in it the portal goes through this area you just mentioned the anti-zone mm. And then that's a kind of cave-like interior full of killer moths. Um, and then you come out of another portal, another mirror, into something that looks like the universe you've come from, but is actually, through the mirror, it's, it's called the Solid Tract. It's another universe. And the two are being kept apart by the anti-zone. Um, with the very All of those concepts feature the idea of kind of sentient universes. So in some sense, the, the Solid Tract is sentient, but also the universe... Uh, Previously in previous Doctor Who's called N-Space or Normal Space, oh. In particularly involved in the fourth Doctor stories, um, is also sentient because somehow it's had to kind of push itself away from the solid tract.
0: I guess the idea of um, there being a right way and a wrong way for time to be, although which is actually kind of controversial because considering the whole timey-wimey mm. thing that excuses a lot of stuff, that there, there has. I mean, I, as far as I remember, there are moments. There's the, there's the crack in the wall that kind of follows the eleventh doctor. These kind of cracks in space, but then I think that, the the eleventh doctor. Sort of, suggested, brought, really emphasized the oh, idea of there are fixed points. By the way, we can't just go, dabbling in all of history, all of the time, swirling it about, um, which is a sort of, well, it's woolly, but I mean what isn't woolly the is, woolly oh my God. revolution what is it
1: the <coughs> woolly rebellion the woolly rebellion which is actually some years in the fu- 83 years or something in the future uh because the doctor sees a sheep and is immediately frightened scans it scans it, <laughs> it with the screwdriver the
0: best use of the, like and i realize again like very very warmed in this episode at how often the doctor says stay back um and and in a way that I don't even think that's been that much of a of a doctor saying. That's mm. I mean I'm probably I mean there's a lot of like the doctor being uh, essentially always coming forward as the shield, but this actual like just stay behind me. It has a real warmth to it. And she did it when she saw the yeah. sheep.
1: So it's like an action packed <laughs> opening. The doctor, chews some soil, chews some leaves, scans a sheep with a sonic.
0: Um, I guess is the sense that the TARDIS just sort of flung them there very usefully, because it's definitely something that the Doctor needs to be there to fix, which has been very much seemingly the key to this series, and that the Doctor is being put in situations to resolve them, rather than I feel like in the... There's a a few times in previous series the Doctor's just been trying to take the pals on holiday, and they even get to the same place, but it's changed now, or it's different. Mm -hmm. And there's not been much of that. It's been mostly sort of... The doctor is here for a purpose, which is somewhat more weighted and mm. in, a, in a nice way, I think, in, a, in a purposeful way.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't an episode that was that interested in time travel at all. It was interested in this kind of metaphysics, but it was interested in time travel in the sense of the, sev- the loss. Mm. Um, so people from the past who have died reappearing in the solid tract in order to lure people through because the solid tract is lonely. And just wants mm-hmm. to make contact again with the with the positive universe so there's a sense in which the solid factor is a kind of n- negative impossibility that just can only be it only exist as, as a kind of radical solitude so in, the, in that sense there's there's a kind of like in, the impossibility of time travel almost the impossibility of going back for for graham to actually reunite with grace
0: and i found it an interesting counterpoint which again is like fulfilling my slow dream of the doctor showing some different sort of colours, um, the moment that the doctor realised that that it was decided that it was the solar tract, really, it was like, "Come on, let's go, yeah, let's get over here." And because it seems like you know, weighing uh, sort of weighing up the threat and just being like, "Yeah, okay." So no sentimentality at this point, which I think was was interesting for the, as I like to call mm. her, that it's all about the love, doctor. <laughs>
1: Yaz is the first person to get pushed back. Into and into the And the end zone. doctor
0: shouts Yaz and all of the Thasmin crowd melted. Okay, really. let's get into this. So
1: you uh, sent me this GIF and uh, shared it. Um
0: Oh <laughs> <Thasmin>. <laughs> It was it was when the doctor grabbed Yaz's hand. Now I am conflicted about Thasmin because Yaz is a cop and I can't and I'm not okay with it and there was reference more in this. And like, it was really creepy the way it was referenced, like, oh, well, there's a child here. And then Ryan's like, oh, you're so good with her. And she was like, yeah, I just got training. You just have to focus on what makes them feel safe. I was like, wow. So that almost sounds like the Solovrekt. Mm. Focus on what makes them feel safe. Was that a purposeful, not um, not call callback, the opposite foreshadowing. The doctor grabs Yaz's hand. Yaz, Yaz's hand, Yaz grabs Graham's hand. We ignore that bit. I cut that bit off the gif because it's not important. <laughs> Um, I mean the fact that everyone's just waiting for, the, for 13 to be um, explicitly queer is is fine <laughs> I think the queer baiting on this show is, is phenomenal at this point because it is just baiting now yeah. it's never realised either the wives are dead off screen um, or as I'm going to reference the web of queer talked yeah. beautifully about fridged women As in women who are lost or die simply to um, develop the characters, other characters that remain alive. And I feel like, yeah, stop killing the lesbians and show me them. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Maybe cut that out. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How would you go forward from that?
1: Let's move through time. Let's move. So, um, Grandmothers. It's revealed that the Doctor had seven grandmothers. So, this is a, a huge new part of Doctor Who lore, straight onto the TARDIS wiki. Um, seven grandmothers, uh, Granny Five told the Doctor about, told 13 remembers, <laughs> told her the story of the Solid Tract and how it came to be. Oh, only um, when
0: she couldn't sleep.
1: When she, when she couldn't sleep, as a kind of comfort. Let's imagine a lonely existence of an entire universe that's okay. looking for a friend and has been exiled in order for now creation. Good night. Um but I love this idea, so I think that would be a great spin-off. It's like imagining, presumably, back on Gallifrey, the, the Doctor's Seven Grandmothers. Re- that was, it was the process of regenerations. Um, so you could imagine now uh, some kind of spin-off with the Seven Grandmothers in it.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about regeneration. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know, there's
1: loads. But, <laughs> yeah, but they, I mean, you think they might have all been simultaneous. I mean, we just don't know, really. <laughs> the grandmother thing is kind of a joke. It's kind of, you know, Granny Five. And there was another granny that was a may have been a double agent for the zygons but then in this final i thought very beautiful few seconds of the episode graham returned to the real world the normal space end space in norway looks back across the fjord and looks very very sad and um his his kind of face quivers um, because we know that he's that he loves grace and that he was the last person to be torn back away Mm -hmm. leaving the doctor um so that we can see that he's still partly part of his heart is still in the solid tract um so we kind of read that on his face but then ryan says calls him granddad for the first time we think ever and graham is surprised and then his face kind of changes and he says what do you just call me so it's it's as if a word has brought him back from the solid tract back to this world and on to the next episode um, it's like a simple piece of language which has been which which, which signifies whenever something else like signifies a connection back to the living world and to the future so I thought that was great considering that like grandmothers were mentioned as a as a kind of joke the first time and then the second time granddad appears as like a word of of reality
0: I also think actually you just saying that made me think that uh, the solo track sort of, um, you know, revived these these lost um, loved ones. But then the purpose of revi- reviving them in both cases was to actually return um, Graham and Eric to to the re- to the living people to the people who needed them. Mm. Um, and I'm sure, and of course, I was slightly thrown by the fact that that Eric was happily returned to his daughter that he'd seemingly abandoned. But I think you could argue that he obviously was very ill and Mm. had had fully fallen for the um for the illusion because that's that's all he wanted and it was in his intention to bring his daughter in Mm. i don't know Mm. but yeah definitely i guess what i meant to say was the idea that although the soul effect had a sort of air of threat to them when they were when you could see how much they were sort of clinging to these to these souls they actually had their purpose in the end was to renew like um connections and family in reality which is actually a really lovely resolution of their of the threat that they they pose is that they push them back.
1: Yeah, so that that would be my reading of the phrase. It takes you away. It's like <gasps> this this kind of lost love or like impossible desire to kind of return to the past is is the thing that takes you away from the present or from the people who are still here that you, you need to be with.
0: I I also think in a very. Um, In a way that just serves the plot, like what was highlighted in this episode was that Ryan doesn't trust dads, Mm. (laughs) and there's a lot, a lot, Uh, been a lot of Ryan and dads, Ryan and dads through the series, like um, with the pregnant um, dad in the in the Sarango conundrum, and the sense that Ryan immediately assumes that this dad has packed up and left, and then sort of becomes not a not a dad, but definitely like a caregiver to Hannah, and something is like, further resolved in him about these these concerns about, kind of, family. And then, and the same with Graham. He realised, like he, he it was... I, Bradley Walsh is a, is a hilarious mm. contraption of a human, but I bought it fully. When he saw Grace through the... I was welling up. I think I'm just, I mean, I was. I thought it was heartbreaking. Because he's seen her before. He saw her in the Arachnids um, episode, mm. and you knew she wasn't there. And this time you're like... She, you You can't do that to him, I think I really and and but for both of them, I think they had their you know in some ways, why are they in the tardis? you could argue to to be brought together and to kind of continue their lives after the loss of grace? Someone we haven't resolved is Yaz, which I think just lines up Yaz and the doctor, who were alone more in this episode mm. to perhaps go on into the next series. I know this is all very um <laughs> practical, but I just think I could just see that I felt like they were they were sort of putting. Um, Graham and and Ryan together in order to perhaps let
1: them go, maybe. My my final comment on this kind of severance idea is that um, you could take it down to the to a kind of uh, human level rather than the metaphysical one in which it's it's this idea of severance from a loved one in which the mind can't, the mind keeps on projecting and kind of distorting or it, it, Distorting memories and kind of bringing them back and back again and again and again, and that's the kind of the solid tract. Um, and then slowly, this kind of anti-zone appears as those projections become either more and more unreal or start to fade. Or you know, um, and the anti-zone appears and starts to kind of push the push the present further away into the, into the towards the future. Was anyone within or anything? You find when
0: I take you, but only with payment. Jupiler,
1: please, now. Payment on delivery, and leave the knife here. Inside of the Anti Zone, however, is Kevin Eldon oh, waste the character Ribbons. What did you think of that?
0: I mean, the Anti Zone was almost like it's almost like when the form accidentally um, is. It, I can't. I'm run out of language, but you know, what I mean? Like, the anti-zone was not meant to be there, and in some ways, in the plot, it kind of shouldn't have been there. So, in its weird, jarring, not quite fitting into the fabric of the episode, sort of suitable,
1: sort of worked. And, and it's just, like another just, genre. Yeah, it
0: um and I think it was the anti-zone was an attempt at a real kind of as if almost trying to give give an audience the sci-fi they were looking for, or give or not maybe not the sci-fi, give what is the the I don't know. There's something at the edge of the episode, or like the the. I don't know what. I don't. Why don't you tell me, Edmund? I'm lost.
1: I got a massive golem from Lord of the Rings vibe. Yes, from
0: exactly. Especially the referring to the self in third person. Yeah, there's the
1: third person seeing the um, sonic screwdriver and saying it oh, shiny. Or something. Maybe it was
0: just. The writing was just that wasn't even that was a bleep. But of, there were lots of these kind of um, false threats mm. thrown about, and I never believed in the monster. I was kind of confused as to why the doctor believed in the monster. I think she's just protective because I mean I think mm. the, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm again I, I feel like the doctor would know the difference between a recording and a creature, but I think that that perhaps mm. we could argue that she was sort of in a particularly protective mode because of of Hannah and the, and the disappeared dad and just sort of going with what. Um, they had. Um, and another... And Ribbon's as a pretty much as a false threat because he was never meant to be, like... He was never going to finish any of them off. Do you think... Yeah, that, was not, think that was never knifed
1: a Graham's throat.
0: Yeah, yeah, but... Um, in a... In a sort of... <laughs> I don't know how to put it in a sort of just keep. It's almost like think, if you think of the pre, the 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 plot is a, it literally as a thread, and mm. then just pluck like plucking, creating random moments of tension.
1: Um. So Kevin Eldon wasted. Kevin Eldon can be I really mean, funny. I,
0: I, I made the mistake of reading a review, and, and like, some bits of it are in my head. Not. I just love. I love Kevin Eldon, but they, they didn't. They didn't actually give him much to do. I think the way he said tubular.
1: Oh yeah, that was so funny almost
0: tubular yeah yeah the ways the tubular um <laughs> I, I was i felt quite seriously um taken aback by it by this idea of the of the solar structure impersonating dead loved ones mm. like because there's nothing i mean that's often that's often used in like anything from horror to, to i don't know anything else yeah but i think the like the the, the way that they were just sort of Sinking their nails in, 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 in the de- in the true desperation of an abusive relationship, kind of thing. Mm. Like saying when, when I and I think that like Sharon D. Clark, who plays Grace, did. She's always st- like astonishing. Mm. But she was really good here when she was talking about Ryan, and saying, "Oh, he's a smart lad," and you could just hear, you could hear the soundtrack panicking, mm. and then the the Grace um, imitation trying to make it. was beautiful.
1: Um, the frog. So <laughs> in this let's let's arrow in on this kind of really weighty, absurd, fascinating scene. The doctor is the last one in the solid tracks because the doctor makes this persuasive case that they've, you know, lost so much, seen so much, lived so long. Which they was could be lovely. the best.
0: Which was a just like a line a, like the kind of line you've been waiting you know, you wait for in the series. Probably about the right time to crack it out. It was nice. Um, and everyone's, everyone's up in arms about the frog and everyone seems to think it should have been River Song. The, no, this is just me looking at the internet with my eyes and absorbing the information. No. But I just think, no, why would it be, don't. Because the emotional punch of seeing Grace was so artfully done. Why would mm-hmm. you try and recycle it with um, another character? Like Grace was that, was that emotional, um,
1: yeah, so yeah. Frog, frog good yeah love to
0: the 1st you're gonna have to let me go and keep on being brilliant by yourself
1: i miss you i miss it all so much i know but if you do this i promise
0: you and i will be friends forever this conversation which I found to be like in the editing the, you know the conversation between the doctor and the sort of writing the editing I saw it was kind of rushed and weirdly paced again I just listened to the rhythms and I was like this is off but the more I think about it the more I'm like Tornis you've got a creature as old as the doctor and this creature is wide and all encompassing as the soul. that's exactly the kind of conversation they would have that yeah. sort of makes no sense just about being friends and I think there was this yeah. it wasn't quite um, completely sort of um Uh, sort of bolted down but I I was enjoying playing with this idea that like this promise that the doctor makes kind of works because the doctor is spread out through all space and time and and sort of and like this idea that this will sort of exist in in the real world whatever that's a contentious phrase but in the real world because the doctor as this creature who can span space and time is holding a part of yeah. I thought it was yeah I mean let's let's just try and forget some of the when you have friends you tell them you don't let them avoid the problem
1: <laughs> oh yeah I
0: was, I was like I'm sorry where are what's I
1: of like universe level <laughs> yeah, was, if you're friends was, with the universe you don't,
0: you don't it was odd it was odd and I couldn't I just sort of had to switch off most of the parts of my brain and just let it let it happen. Just for that shot of Julie Whittaker kissing the 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 fog. I love <laughs> that frog,
1: Fog frog. The, the the fog frog. <laughs> I loved that, but I also really like the line: "You can just keep on being brilliant by yourself." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is so not uh, a a like good appeasement tactic. <laughs> that's not that's not a treat.
1: I also feel like 13. that is that is a characteristic thirteen. Kind of phrase, actually. Yeah. That...
0: Okay. I re- I felt like maybe I'm wrong, but as I'm thinking about the way that that each doctor approaches the problem, thirteen is always really on on the level of I've no idea. I have no idea. Do you have any idea? Should we just try and work? Out- Should we just mm. go in and a sort of like and and at first I think I found that um disconcerting because we were so used to the doctor being like oh, I know exactly what happened here. I was here ten years ago and did it. Third mm. Um, and I actually quite like this sort of openness to the chaos, and therefore it is a bit more of a jape. Mm. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a very fun and risky game. Um, and she sort of... And th- that's th- that's a different kind of energy that carries the show, which I think took has taken a lot of getting used to, because I keep being like, is this just a strange... Like, they weren't brave enough to let a female doctor... And this is in scare quotes, because I just hate that phrase. Um know what she's doing but actually i just think it's a different kind of openness and and definitely away from the leadenness of the certainty of the doctor always knowing everything which in, in its ways kind of dispiriting oh <laughs> I, I i was so also struck um by the way where she just shoved her face through the vortex oh, oh, yeah. the, vo- the portal i thought that was gr- i thought that was great because i i really felt like a, a different incarnation would be like i'm about to do something really stupid Step back. And like, there'll there'll yeah. be more of a sort of build-up and a big deal made about this kind of wild thing that's going to happen. She just did it.
1: What some hopes do you have for the next episode? <laughs> Again, I refused to... I switched off from knowing anything about it. So, What, the next episode? The last episode.
0: Um, oh! Bloody hell. I'm complete... I'm complete... I'm, I feel like I finally relaxed. I spent my whole... The whole series being like, give me these things, I desire them, <laughs> and now I'm like, you know what? I think this one really won me over. Was it the when Yaz said you want us to follow this nutter into the dark, and she went, no, I want you to follow this nutter into the dark, um, which I feel like is a really nice, a really nice encapsulation of this Doctor.
1: All I wanted was a lonely talking frog. That was an entire universe. <laughs> so, and that's to that extent. I'm happy now. <laughs> it's only onwards and upwards from here okay so we couldn't end this without uh talking about hannah she's unfooled by the solid attract, uh with the she... best
0: teenage response ever Anna hate you <laughs> 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 um unfooled by the solid tract smashes ryan in the head with the door fair enough because yes. he does grab her
1: yeah yeah he, he, that I was a kind yeah. of
0: that was such like a clumsy caretaking move I don't yeah. I don't think it was like an awful thing that he did but she just had the right response yeah. also she looked so cool when she just had that baseball bat <laughs>
1: yeah that was good yeah she is fierce
0: yeah and and fierce and sort of and and then weirdly sort of consigned much like Willow was just mm. to like um continue I'd love to I'd love to come back to I want us to find her again
1: skeptical I, like, I liked how she was skeptical um yeah her almost like her catchphrases don't lie Well, you're not real. (laughs) I
0: love it. Um, Yeah, the 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 sort of piercing kind of um, cynicism, and but also I think that both the writing and the acting was sort of this this constant kind of flowing between really cagey defensiveness and please help me, which I think was beautifully done. Which is neither like neither like betrayed like a sort of patronising vulnerability, or like made her have to carry the weight of being completely self-sustainable. She also was just a teenager. I just think it was like, why do they keep writing these really brilliant mm. sort of side characters? It's almost like they're packing it up. Whereas, I don't know, Yaz just in this episode just was a, what? Say that again? Huh? First of all, <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Hannah also sees through, um, or is not fooled by the doctors, uh, claiming to, to be drawing a map on the wall for Ryan, of the house in order to protect it but is actually writing uh, something like instructions for ryan saying presume that the dad is dead um
0: keep her safe keep her
1: safe but hannah knows that it wasn't a map that it was probably writing and says so um later to ryan and i found out a really interesting moment of the doctor lying for the for the good but nevertheless. um but also therefore not guessing that Hannah would be able to yeah. hear the difference between drawing lines and drawing script.
0: It reminds me a lot of um, the doctor lying to people who are in Show, which is a sort of an irritating trait. Yes,
1: that is a kind of characteristic I, along along with the old catchphrase of this isn't gonna hurt before yeah. injecting someone with a cure and
0: Well I think actually I remember I suddenly remembered that at the time with um, Amy and the eleventh doctor, where River says you're going to be fine, and the doctor says no, she's not, she's dying. But I guess that's um, I and mean, that was just a trait of that doctor, a kind of um, inability to to soften, soften the blood I don't know. And yeah. um, whereas, like tenth, I was thinking of the tenth doctor in the um, the Forest of the Dead, also with River Song. River Song's on my mind, um, yeah. where he lies to, to most pe- to all of the people who are dying and says that they're not dying. Yeah. Um, And yeah, this sort of this sort of patronising, which is meant, I guess, meant to show the doctor's kind of age and wisdom, but it's kind of an interesting flaw.
1: Um, so psychic paper. We
0: need a jingle. (laughs) It's psychic, psychic, (laughs) psychic. That was good. Jingle, jingle done.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, there wasn't any in this episode. No Um, need. But my psychic paper here. Is saying we should talk about it
0: because we have an interest. Because I feel like this, this is a segment now um, where we ask a small number of listeners what they think about psychic paper. Paper <laughs> and um, a friend of mine who is a, a far more learned human than I talked about a previous episode and sort of mentioned that um, the the psychic paper is what gives gives the Doctor and his companions cl- and their companion clearance maximizing access and minimizing questions but a veneer of nominal control choice even thinner than the tardis um and they and they reference an episode where the doctor seems to be sort of saying that they can choose what they're, where they're going to be when they visit this fancy party i think this is in the, um, the first series of the revived doctor who um and they end up in the kitchens and the doctor sort of says oh well that's where you get all the information from but perhaps um that was just um the doctor's saving face. Um, so I think we we sort of went along the idea of like, oh, what is this the reality that the psychic people the Whereas this is a far mm-hmm. more practical sense of it's it's not about reality, it's just about helpful minimisation of problem in the plot. But I think that something, something that I thought was nice um, about this person's interpretation was that it really emphasised the sort of... Um, uh, I've lost the word, come on, language. Um, haplessness. I felt that, because that's like... That's almost like it, it. undercuts the sort of arrogance of even having psychic paper. Is that oh, I can just get in anywhere. The sort of like, uh, but it doesn't listen to you, um, and it doesn't, and it sort of doesn't mm. necessarily obey what the doctor wants. It's sort of like much like the TARDIS is. Are we like you know the TARDIS is obviously cleverer than the doctor. Maybe the only one that's cleverer than the doctor. Um, um, I don't know. That's a bit. Oh God, I'm gonna have to defend that later. Um, <laughs> the, the psychic paper is almost part of this whole um, system of of like helpful aids that the doctor employs that actually sort of might run the show in a nice Mm. way where did they get it (laughs) gonna ask it every week theories please where'd you get psychic paper from will we ever will we find the episode
1: yeah maybe let's do that let's have a psychic paper night (laughs) watch every reference to it and read the novels where it appears (laughs) i mean i'm into it
0: all right (laughs)
1: Goodbye well. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. We're off to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my night sword it. <laughs>